0: A reading from Isaiah 58, beginning with the first verse. Shout it aloud, do not hold back. Raise your voices like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the house of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions. They seem eager for God to come near them. They say, why we have fasted, and you, you have not seen it. Why we have humbled ourselves, and you, you have not noticed. Yet on the day of your fasting, You do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You, you cannot feast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for a man to humble himself? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed or for lying on sackcloth sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a feast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and unite and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked, to clothe him? Is it not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then, and only then, your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then, And only then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. And then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here I am. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and the malicious talk, And if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun scorched land and he will strengthen your frame. You, you will be like a well watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and raise up the age-old foundations and you and you will be called repairer of broken walls restorer of streets with dwellings so ends the reading
1: The second letter is from 2 Corinthians. Paul's plea to a young Christian congregation at the city of Corinth in Greece, written in the first century. It is a plea that people in that community should forgive each other. It is a reflection on the life of faith and the way in which faith has sustained Paul through all sorts of trials. Paul writes, so we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entrust you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to one another in God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As we work together with him, we urge you not to accept the grace of God in vain. For he says, At an acceptable time I have listened to you. On a day of salvation I have helped you. See, Now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. We are putting no obstacle in anyone's way so that no no fault may be found in our ministry, but as servants of God, we have commended ourselves in every way through great endurance. In the midst of affliction, hardship, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights hunger we have overcome them with purity with knowledge with patience with kindness with the holiness of spirit with genuine love with truthful speech and the power of God the weapons of righteousness and repeating again a portion of the Isaiah text this is the fast That I have chosen for you says the Lord loose the bonds of injustice find ways to let the oppressed find freedom share bread with the hungry assist the homeless poor assist the naked then your light shall shine forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up quickly She always made us stand up at the front of the classroom, especially when we were getting ready for a grade school music program. We were in sixth grade. Mrs. Silberg came in for an hour, half hour, many afternoons to teach music. And the entire sixth grade class, whether we liked music or not, was forced to stand at the front of the room, and she stood out somewhere among our wood desks. She was a rather stern and serious-minded woman, but she let us sing all sorts of music, some we really liked, some we didn't. In retrospect, I have all sorts of respect for this brave woman. I'm remembering a day when, frustrated, she suddenly stopped us all and she said, "'You aren't standing up straight. "'Go to your desks, take a book, and form a line. And she paraded us around the room with books on our head, especially the girls. She felt strongly about girls who don't stand up straight, especially tall girls, and they towered over us in sixth grade. <laughs> and then she added, people are, not create, people are created to be upright creatures. You are not created to be crooked or stooped over. So all of you, for a moment, sit up straight, show me your best posture, and know that this is a fundamental theme within the vision of Isaiah. It is a vision that is preserved for us with the biblical word tzedakah, which we so often translate in here as righteousness, but which is a word that essentially means uprightness, integrity. It is a personal word. It has to do with your inner life and the way you understand yourself, your commitment to truthfulness. It is a statement about who you are as a person. There is a second word that is frequently coupled together with righteousness. In the Hebrew text of Isaiah, it is mishpat, which we translate as justice. And in contrast, in times from righteousness, this is a social word, This is a word that has something to do with the person next to you or people across the world. So for a moment, look at a person next to you or someone across this room and think in your mind that you're going to cheat them, okay? Look at somebody else, like you're going to maneuver some way to trick them or use them in some way, okay? That is not mishpat. Mishpat is when you look at the person next to you with an honest sense of compassion and concern, when your look can be trusted, where your outward appearance matches what is in your heart. Mishpat is social. It involves our interactions with other people in the world. And in prophetic thought this is a tough one because what God asks of human people is rather difficult. God is not neutral concerning the rich and the poor of the world. According to the prophets, God is biased toward the poor. God sees most clearly in the world the pain and the suffering of those who are in great need. And the summons goes out to fellow human beings to respond with compassion and care. The Isaiah text that we have heard declares, God does not rejoice in sackcloth and ashes, in hollow signs, even like signs on our head. Rather, God calls people to show concern for those who are hungry and needy in the world. That is the true meaning of fasting. So the vision couples uprightness and compassion, righteousness and justice. And there is a third theme within the Isaiah vision that is important today. It is a call to each of us that we find the right balance between creativity and the reminder that we are not God. We are mortals, bounded by our birth and by our death. We take nothing with us. We brought nothing with us when we came to this life in the genesis creation story god molds clay from the earth to form a human and then breathes life into that clay in hebrew the word is ruach and it can mean wind or breath or spirit and the ruach haronai is the spirit of life so take a deep breath right now take a deep breath and know that according to genesis that is the fundamental gift of life the ability to breathe ashes to ashes dust to dust clay to clay what are we but animated clay and the question is how will we use our breath our energy our talents how will you plan your future your major your vocation your future work your future life in such a way that you can bring meaningful help to those in need in our world. That is our vocation, the vocation that this university proclaims. How will you use your talents to help the human family, even when the challenges seem so overwhelming? Both Paul and Jesus draw from the vision set forth in the Isaiah scroll. Paul is quoting from Isaiah 49, a servant passage, when he writes, be ambassadors for Christ. He does so because he sees in Jesus the embodiment of that life which Isaiah envisioned for all people. He sees him as the ideal servant of the Lord. And in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is remembered reading from another servant passage in his home synagogue, Isaiah 61. A text which speaks of our calling to comfort those who mourn to give garlands instead of ashes, a mantle of praise instead of mourning, people who can be called oaks of righteousness. And Jesus recalls in that passage Elijah helping a widow in Sidon, that's Lebanon, and Elisha healing a leper in Syria. That's Luke's bias that Jesus is helping all people. Theologian John Cobb has said it is the most striking feature of the New Testament, the newness of the New Testament, is the embrace of the other, that in Christ there is no distinction between rich and poor, male and female, Jew and Gentile. And the outreach that we have is to all people. On this Ash Wednesday, we are called and invited to renew our commitment to be upright people. We are called to be people committed to justice especially in our concern for the poor in the world and we are people who can acknowledge we are called to be people who can acknowledge our mortality and still think about new ways to use our God-given creativity our energy to be the body of Christ to be the presence of the living God in the world we receive ashes this morning on our foreheads as a reminder of our mortality We receive the gifts of bread and wine as reminders of the gifts of life, strength, and creativity that have been given to us. Amen.